0: Well, everyone, we are at uh, Third John today. We're closing out Third John. What a great book. Um, we'll start at verse 11 and uh, finish it out. Um, verse 15. So let me read uh, these verses, and then we'll uh, make some reaction comments there. Verse 11. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good, is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself, we also add our testimony. And you know that our testimony is true. We'll stop here and we'll ask a few questions. This is probably John's final letter. He's probably written the um, the epistle of John, you know, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He's probably already written that. Um, he's probably written the book of Revelation already. And these last little letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, are just like little personal letters at the end. He's, he's an old man now, probably. And this is his final letter. He's talking to these people at this church. And, of course, he's been talking about in the first two letters of, uh, you know, 1 John, 2 John, he's been talking about God's love and then God's truth. And now that love and that truth are working together. If you had to get a letter from somebody about Christian faith, these three little letters would teach you so much, right? I mean, he's encapsulated the gospel message, how did the gospel message start? Well, it all starts with God's love, right? You're beloved. That one little word in verse 11 sums a lot of it all. Because of God's love, He gives us God's mercy. And because of the God's mercy, God comes up with a way for us to escape our own death, our own sin. That's His grace. He gives us this grace. That allows us to avoid death. This grace is um, the gospel message. It's a way out. And his gospel gift of grace was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the personification of God. Coming to earth saying, I will pay the price of your sins. I will lay down my life for you because of all my love I have for you. We get a real good Insight into God's nature because of his mercy and his grace and his great, great, great love. He didn't just sit up in heaven loving us from afar. He put that love into action, didn't he? He put that love into action in a sacrificial way, in an unconditional way. In a subservient way. And because of his sacrificial love for us. His sacrifice on the cross. In human form. Jesus Christ. Through his grace. Now we have our sins paid for. We are reconciled to God. We have his peace. We have mercy, grace, and peace. So we have God's love and God's truth. In Christ and this third John's talking about how we respond to that. And the way I break it down for me is, is our response to all of that is our faith. The Old Testament word being trust, the New Testament word being faith. So we are beloved. And what do we do? We have to put our faith in action just like God's putting his love in action for us. God's putting his truth in action for us in the gift of Christ for us our response is our faith our trust in him so what we put into action what we do is first and foremost is abide in him abide there's that word that really super spiritual word abide means to live in to dwell in not this world but in him. And this has been on my mind. I don't know about you, but this has been on my mind for probably a week or so. And it's almost like been getting me down in the dumps a bit because it just seems to me that the world in so many regards is so unfair. So many people have such a hard time. So many people have such an easy time. Yet God gives us this gospel message for every single one of them, every single one of them. Is going to react to it differently. And I've I've been thinking, like, does the way I react to something, is that dependent on the world I'm living in, my environment? Or is that really me? If I was in a different environment, would I react more skeptical, more prudential, more harshly? You know? Is how I react to things me? Or is it the world around me molding me, making me react the way I react? pretty deep. I think God knows our hearts, but God says, I know the world is unfair. I don't want you to live in the world. That's weird, isn't it? No, it's really comforting when you think about it. You're not living in the world. You're abiding. You're living in Him. You don't have to live in this world with all its politics and with all this unfairness. Everybody seems to have an unfair shake. And I think it it gets people upset, frustrated, and mad, even though they, they don't know why. They maybe can't express it, but the world truly is unfair. It's exactly right. And all these people who protest, they're protesting the world is unfair, and they're right. The world is unfair. But the one thing in the world that is pure love in pure truth is God's love, is Jesus Christ. He is the light of the world. He is the light of the world in a dark world. And He is the truth in the world. The light of the world, the life of the world. And love itself. So, yes, the world is unfair, but God says, Live in me, don't live in the world. Abide in me, abide in my love. And I am abiding in you. So, just as, yes, it is true the world is unfair, and yes, it is true. I am a lowly, weak sinner, and I'm just a a person who, what is my emotion? Is my emotion really modeled by what the world is? My reactions to this unfair world? No, it doesn't have to be because God says, I abide in you. So now your emotions can be from me, and you don't even have to live in this world. I think that's really big-time spiritual insight. Maybe the Holy Spirit right now is trying to help me understand this as I'm doing the podcast, because I've been thinking about this for days, but now just realizing it right here, right now with you. Yes, the world is an unfair place. And yes, our personalities are shaped by this world, by whatever circumstances we're in. And that doesn't seem fair. But God says... Don't live in the world. Live in me. And you don't have to worry about how the world is shaping your individual personality because I am abiding in you. I think that is such a deep insight. This abiding relationship. Abiding in God means... You're not really abiding in this world. You're not living in this world. You're abiding in Him. But you are living in this world. But you're abiding in Him. And yes, you have this personality that is being shaped by the world. But God says, I'm abiding in you. You're abiding in me. I'm abiding in you. Let me shape your personality. So we're talking about abiding relationship. This is our faith, our trust being put into action. And now we see some of the ways 3 John looks at um, how we put that faith into action. We walk in truth. That means we're living life. We're abiding in Christ's truth. We're imitating good. We imitate. We walk in truth in our abiding relationship and then We choose to imitate what is good. We imitate what is Christ. We may not be good ourselves, but we have Christ in us. And therefore, we try to imitate like a child imitates a father. And then we put that into action. We do good, just like James tells us to do good. John's telling us to do good. And how do we do good? We follow Christ's commands. Love God, one love one another. That's good. That's doing good. Putting love into action, just like Christ is putting God's love into action. Walking in the truth, abiding in Him, imitating good, doing good. By faith in all your efforts. Verse 5, we want to be faithful in everything we do. We're trusting in all our efforts. We're not judging all our efforts by our goodness or what the result is going to be. We're just trusting to do good, to imitate Christ in all our efforts. In other words, we're living by faith. We're not living by results. We're living by faith. So living by faith in your efforts, you're not living by whatever the results of the efforts are, the outcomes of the efforts, or the success of the efforts. You're living by faith. Faith that God tells you to love as He loved. Now, that love may fall apart on the other person, but God says, leave it to me. You're not the one doing it. It's my word. It's my love in you. You're abiding in me, I'm abiding in you. You're walking in the truth, you're imitating good, you're doing good, and all your efforts are by faith. That's it, by trust. To be worthy of God, worthy of God. (laughs) That's a goal, isn't it? And examples that he gives is to show humility and show hospitality. Humility, hospitality. That's how you put that love into action, right? Humility towards others, hospitality for others. And then he talks about avoiding sin. And he he gives this example of this guy named Diotrephes, and I'm calling this sort of the Diotrephes complex. Diotrephes was probably a complicated, quirky person in the church. He's in the church, but he's not helping the church. The Diotrephes complex. And he's saying, avoid these kind of sins. Don't imitate what's evil. Imitate what's good, because these things, these traits, are not of God. They're a, and when they're not of God, they're they're of the world. They're evil. Evil lives in the world. And they'll inhibit you from being effective. They'll inhibit you from being worthy or showing humility or hospitality. They'll inhibit your faith or your ability to do good or to imitate good. They will disrupt your walk in truth, <clears throat> they will in- inhibit your abiding relationship with the Father. It would be silly not to talk about them. Everybody wants to talk about the lovey-dovey, right? They're so important. Yes, we have to talk about sin, avoiding sin, and avoiding these self-centered, prideful sins of what we're going to just label here the Diotrephes Complex. What kind of things did Diotrephes do and have? You know, this was the guy... That he said, Diotrephes, who you know, the back in verse um, 9 says, Who likes to put himself first does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he's doing. I'll have to bring it up with you. Talking wicked nonsense against us and not content with that. He refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to. And in other words, wants to welcome The brothers and wants to put them out of the church. The Diatrophes Complex. What does that mean? Well, it starts with a bunch of pride, doesn't it? Pride in yourself. And I'm reading this not to rip on diatrophies, but to show us that we gotta watch our own selves, right? Be careful. Or you might get diagnosed with the diatrophies complex. Too much pride. Too much self-promotion. You're always looking around to see what everybody thinks about you, right? That's diatrophies. Every word you say is designed to get positive feedback. Ego evaluation. Don't you hate getting evaluated by other people? Or you sense the way they act to you is not the way you want to be perceived. You want to be the hero. You want to be positive in their eyes. After all, you're a hard worker. After all, you're doing everything uh, humanly possible. And nobody appreciates you, right? That's that ego. And when the evaluation comes in and you're not as good as you want to be evaluated, and it could be fair, it could be unfair, but to let your joy and your happiness be under that control someone else's control that affects your faith right that affects you know living by trust in what is unseen that reveals how much you trust what is seen doesn't it pride self-promotion ego evaluation how about the authority resentment syndrome People, your boss or somebody over you, or maybe it's your mom or dad, somebody who's over you. There's a basic resentment, I think, we all have of anybody in charge over you, especially because you know deep down inside they can't be ultimately fair, because they can't see your position. And I think ultimately that comes down to we're all created. We know we have a heavenly father, we may not acknowledge it, but we want somebody to understand our situation. And the irony is for all of us that there is somebody who knows our situation and who does appreciate who we are and does love us unconditionally. We want that. But yet, many times we can't acknowledge that it's God. We have this authority resentment syndrome that makes us want to protest or be really resentful, or be paranoid, or be argumentative. We can't acknowledge one who loves us and does understand our situation. And this authority resentment syndrome that Diotrephes had, he was so resentful for anybody coming in uh, having any kind of authority, that it's jealousy on display. It's a form of jealousy to resent someone else's authority is to be jealous of that authority over you. Fear of feedback. Feedback is one of the hardest things to give and one of the hardest things to get. You try to give feedback in a way that will encourage the other person, but you can always watch the other person fading if the feedback sometimes is honest. And when you get feedback, it's the same thing. You know it's not... You know you know it's never accurate. It's the, and half the time the feedback is given fast because the other person doesn't really want to have to give feedback. or Sometimes they do, but it's unfair feedback. We all want fair feedback, but we never get fair feedback. The only fair feedback we're going to get is from the Father in heaven. He'll give us the right feedback because he knows us 100%. How about this one in the diotrophes Complex? Threats to self-identity. When people come in, maybe they have even better skills than you do. And that's threatening to you, isn't it? Maybe they're younger, more attractive, more apparently successful, or they have skills that you don't even dream of having. That threatens your self-identity. That demotes you without anything being said diatrophies, was very well aware of all that. The diatrophies complex also, because of all these pride, self-promotion, ego evaluation, authority resentment syndrome, jealousy, the fear of feedback, the threats to self-identity, basically the person with this shuts down the opportunity for others to grow, to develop. It's so self-centered. And the last one I'll leave you with is this fear of self-diminishment in the diatrophies complex. What does that mean? That your relative importance to others will fade. And it always fades with age. Success will fade. Beauty will fade. You're just, you know... Over the years, hey, I've been at this job 30 years. Well, you know what? You're not 30 years more important. You're actually 30 years more replaceable. That's the way that works. Isn't that weird? God says the world is really, really unfair. It is so unfair. So many protesters are out there protesting because... Deep down inside, they know the world's unfair, and they know they're not going to get a fair shake. And isn't that validation of what God's love is all about? God's love the world, and He knows the world is really, really unfair. And He knows the unfair world really, really, really does affect our personalities in bad ways. And He says, because of my love, you can be reborn, forgiven, and you can also... Abide in me. You don't have to abide in this world and let me abide in you. You don't have to be shaped in your personality by this world. That is so beautiful to me. And that is why I'm just loving Third John. All these three Johns. Verse 13. I had much to write you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon and we will talk face to face. You know what? We're not going to always have the ability to talk with one another. Some of us will die soon. Some of us will live on. And I pray whoever's listening to this will understand that one day, you can can read this letter like talking face-to-face when you come to visit somebody, but you can also say, you know, one day, one day soon, When eternity happens for all of us, we can all talk face to face. And we don't have to worry about just reading the Scripture. The Scripture will be the kingdom of God. Right now, it's in written form. But one day, we'll talk face to face. We'll get to talk with John. Ask him questions face to face. And he leaves This whole thing, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John is kind of closing it out. This could, you know, likely his final letter. What does he leave us with? He leaves us with the final thing, peace. Remember we said God's mercy, God's grace. And after God's grace, this gift of Jesus Christ, he reconciles us to God and then we have finally peace. That's what he leaves us with. Peace be with you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends each by name. As the friends greet you, you greet the friends. As someone loves you, you love them. God be with you in God's peace. God bless you all. We'll see you next time. We'll stop here, and we'll be starting our new study tomorrow. And uh, now I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, wasn't this a great study? Loved it. Loved every minute of it. God bless you all. We'll see you next time.